the lights are on once again. Good morning, familia. Good morning. Good morning. I love hearing that sound coming back at me. I remember, and I, I regretfully, and this is right, this is funny for what because people think, well, he's a preacher. You can never keep these guys' mouth shut, right? Especially when you give them a microphone. They're like, yeah, you got five minutes. 50? No, five. No. But haven't you ever failed to say something when it was necessary? Right? You know, the Lord is telling you, hey, hey, go talk to that person. Go say something. And you're like, not me. Not me. And then you get home and you're like, darn, I should have said something. Okay, I'm the only one, right? Okay, good. There's three of us, all right? <laughs> Haven't you done that? Right? If you're walking with Christ, if you have been walking with Christ any amount of time, the Lord wants to use you to proclaim his good news. So you have to have your ears up. I call it having your radar signal on so you could hear God speak clearly. And then you could say what you need to say and say it with gentleness and with kindness and with respect. Okay? That's the good part we have. Our part is to be ready. I know that there have been so many times where God says, I want you to say something. And I'm like, and then afterwards I go, and it was the Holy Spirit speaking. True? If you're married, you know this. Right? Gentlemen, doesn't the, whole, the uh, Holy Spirit's voice sound like a wife's voice? That's a joke, all right? That's a joke. But it's true, right? It, it, many times. Can I, can I confess to you? I, so... This happened this week. I'm going to tell you about something really bad that happened. But it turned out great by God's grace. So we have two dogs in our house. We have a big dog. It's an old English bulldog. He's 90 pounds. And we have this little chihuahua. It was probably, what, five pounds? Right? We, I call her bougie dog. You know? Her name is Baby, but I call her bougie because she thinks she's all that. You know? And she tries to run the house. She'll even run the bulldog, you know? And the bulldog just looks at her, and then when he gets tired enough, he just sits on her and says, okay, I got you, you know? So my wife, God used my wife prophetically, I'm going to say. So I like to tie the dog up outside, and so that way he can smell and do his business, you know? But he gets to hang out outside, and then he'll be on the driveway. So it was Thursday morning. I go out, I tie the dog up, and my wife says, don't tie him up, right? And I'm like, eh. And I didn't listen, and I tied the dog up, right? And I usually, I've done this, I'm good, right? I know how to drive, right? I drive out, and I always avoid the dog. Guess what happened Thursday? I completely forgot about him. And I backed up and ran him over. When I heard that, boom, I was like, oh, no, I know what that is. And I quickly put the car in park and I drove down. And oh, my gosh, this was the, I'm saying this, I'm confessing this. It was the worst thing because he was, 
pinned underneath the rear axle. And he was crying. If I could have been the Hulk right there, I would have thrown the car away. I would have just, and I just made a real fast decision, jump in the car and put it in drive. Because that's all I could do right now. And I put it in drive, and he got up, and he was all messed up. Scratched his ear real bad. I took a chunk of his fur out right here. And he was like, you ran me over. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I started crying. Right? And there comes the voice of God. Didn't I tell you? <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, don't say that. Now I'm already in pain. Why am I saying that? I just wanted to say that to you because, man, I'm in pain. Because Sometimes... You have to learn to listen. You have to learn to listen. God wants to use us. He's preparing us. He's preparing us to get ready. Church, now is not the time to go like this. La, 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 la. Now is the time to go, okay, God, speak. But God wants to use us to say and share the good news of Christ. Amen? So open up your Bibles with me, Acts chapter 16, okay? Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 13 through 34. We're going to cover this. Paul just finished his first missionary journey. Now he's going to go back. This is the beginning of the second missionary journey. He's going back through the towns, and he wants to see how the churches are doing. And again... God is going to use Paul, Silas, Timothy, Luke, and all of them to proclaim the good news of Christ. He used them. He wants to use us. Amen? So here's the first thing I want us to learn from God's word this morning. Number one, simple. Okay? This is not a, this is not a dumb one, but we're from, the Chicago, we're from Chicago area, so we know this word, duh. Right? Duh. Everybody says bears. But duh, you know, God uses people to proclaim the gospel. He uses you and me to proclaim the gospel. Verses 13 through 15, look at this. So setting from sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day at Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, where is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and the Roman colony. We remained in the city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we suppose, we suppose there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was being said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Think about that. Right? They went outside the gate. Now this was, you know, like, why is Paul going outside? The rule was, or the law was, the custom was, in order to build a synagogue, we need at least 10 Jewish guys, okay? That's the rule. So possibly there wasn't an even enough Jewish men to build the synagogue, but there was Jews. But the Romans said, hey, 
We consider you guys a cult, okay? You guys are Jews. You guys don't worship all the gods that we worship. You worship this one God named Yahweh. So we're going to let you worship because we're tolerant, but you got to worship outside. And they're like, cool. We serve the God who made the universe. He'll meet us by the river anyway, you know? Paul said, I know where these people are. He went by the river, and there they gathered. It was a group of just women now, just women, okay? Praise God. Here, ladies ain't holding it down again, right? So they spoke to the women, and that was good, because every day you're going to see Paul going, as is was the custom, every Sabbath he's going to the synagogue. Why? This is just my opinion, but I can prove it from Scripture. I think he, he, ha, he loves his people. He loves his Jewish people. He wants them to know Christ. So I'm going to go where they're at. I know where they're at. They're in the synagogue. It's Saturday. They're worshiping. And he goes to them, and he meets them. And there, Lydia, a merchant of purple good, hails from Thyatira City, famous for, and this is where they are. They used they love dyeing clothes. You want some good clothes in different colors, Okay. You go to Thyatira, and that's where she was. The rich people would wear purple, right? That was the color of majesty, right? And yet, there she is doing her thing. I call her a CEO. She's a businesswoman. Praise God, right? And here comes God, or Paul and Silas saying, hey, we're going to share some good news with them. And she comes to know Christ. Now, the funny thing is, she was already considered a worshiper of God. What does that mean, a worshiper of God? This is something that was, hey, you're not a Jew like us. You're outside Jewish. We would call you a Gentile, but you've come to believe in the God of Israel. Those were the worshipers of God, okay? And in any case, that she had converted from her pagan beliefs to believing in the, in the God of the universe, all right? This is good. Think about it. Imagine people, right? It, sometimes we've heard and we've studied, and you could ask my brother there who's an expert in evangelism. We have to share the good news with people. How many times do you think before they come to know Christ? Okay, this is not a theory. This is not a, what's that question? Rhetorical question? Just shout out a number. How? Three? So I hear three. Seven. Say it again. Seven. Seven times the average person comes to know Christ on the seventh time, okay? You and I are in that line of planting a little bit, watering a little bit, seeding it, and somebody, probably hopefully the seventh person is going to come and gather the harvest and say, hey, man, I just led somebody to the Lord. What you don't realize is there's been six other people who have been there and doing the work ahead of you. This is why God uses us, right? And here is... Lydia, she heard of the God of Israel. She knows Yahweh, right? But here comes Paul telling her, hey, the God you know has already manifested himself in the person of Jesus. Let me tell you who he is and what he's done. And just like Abraham came to know Christ, right? And he was not a Jew. Ruth was not a Jew. Rahab was not a Jew. Cornelius Okay, he's Italian, amen, right? The Ethiopian, all right? 3,000 who got saved when Peter preached, 
We got Timothy, who's a Greek. We got Luke, who's a Greek. And all these non-Jews who heard the truth and put their faith in Christ. But how? Because somebody told them about the good news of Christ. Amen? That's what cause calls us to do. Look at what it, Paul says in Ephesians. I pray that the eyes of my heart be, um, your heart, the eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of the calling, which are the riches of glory and its inheritance to all the saints. God is going to do the work of softening the heart and opening the heart, but he uses people to proclaim the good news. So we have to be ready. We have to know what it is. We, know, we need to know how to share the good news. Okay? That's what God is calling us to do. If we're going to take new land, if we're going to do what God is calling us to do in the near future, we have to get ready to proclaim. So again, God uses people to proclaim the good news. I pray that God will use you at least once to lead somebody to the Lord. It is the most exciting thing to do, to see the scale fall off of people's eyes, to see them receive the Holy Spirit, and to be born again right in front of you. You're like, oh, oh my gosh. That is the most exciting thing. I have been blessed. I get to do this every day in my work outside of the church. Last fiscal year, by his grace, 42 people. You know, in one year. Not bad, right? Right? Not bad. This month of July, just this month, had five new more. Five more. Why? Because every day, just going out and meeting people and talking to them and building relationships and then sharing the good news of Christ. That's how we do it, people. That's how we're going to do it, church. One person at a time, but God is going to use each and every one of us to do it. Amen? Number two, ready, get ready for this. When we proclaim the good news of Christ, when we do this, it isn't going to be always rainbows and skittles, right? You know that, right? When we proclaim the good news of Christ, bad things are going to happen sometimes. Proclamation is sometimes met with persecution. Proclamation is sometimes met with persecution. Verses 16 to 24. Let's go through it. Okay, just a little bit. 16 through 18, and we're going to a place of prayer. Look, at they're going back now. Okay, this is a week, two possibly after this, and they were going back to the place of prayer, right, where we met, and we were met by who? A slave girl who had the spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain for fortune telling. So this young little girl, probably a teenage girl, okay, somewhere probably, I don't know how old, young, but not much older than the young ladies we probably have here, has a spirit of divination, means she is possessed by a demon, okay? And the man is using her, this man, this evil man is using her to make money. Sidebar. How many of you have ever seen the movie or heard about the movie Sound of Freedom? Right? There you go. Go watch it. Because this has been happening for 2,000 years. Here's evidence of it. That's it. Verse 17, she followed Paul and us crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And I love this verse. And this she kept doing for many days. Okay? 
Paul, having become greatly annoyed. <laughs> I laugh at that. That's awesome. Right? Paul became greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit. He didn't talk to her. He talked to the spirit. He says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Boom. But what? look what happens. And look at this. The demon recognizes the servants of Christ. Isn't it ironic that the demons knew who Paul was talking about? The place of prayer where they met. He says, these men are the servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. This girl, again, spirit of divination, she is possessed. And she's publicly telling, hey, these guys are the missionaries of the most high God. Right? I wonder why. He knew it. Demon knew it. If you go back to Mark's gospel, Christ goes across the sea and the demon-possessed man comes up to Christ. And what does the demon say? Jesus Christ, son of who? The most high God. The most high God. I know we haven't talked about this, but if you go back to Genesis 6, you have what's called the, um, the council. Here's God, the most high God, and his council. Job, we see it in Job when Job walks up. Remember? Job comes before God and God says, where you been? Oh, to and fro the earth, you know, causing havoc, killing people, all that good stuff, you know? He goes, have you considered my boy Job? But Satan comes up before the council. Scripture calls them other Elohim, other spiritual beings. We don't know if they're angels or other demons, but they are there. They're Elohim. Okay? And here they are. Here's, I love it. The demon goes, you're the most high God. You're the big dog. You're the one who made all of us. We know who you are. And the demon is speaking this and proclaiming this and saying, hey, these guys are going to tell you something. And I, I, I got, I, you know there's that verse, right? And forgive me because I'm just having a download right now, meaning God is giving me something else right now. Whoever proclaims the good news, don't get upset at them, right? Paul says because they're proclaiming the good news. But I wonder, why did Paul tell the demon to shut up? If, he's if the demon is saying, they're preaching to you about the most high God, the way to get saved, wouldn't that be good news? Right? Isn't that what we're saying? But yet Paul commands the demon, shh, quiet. There are going to be some times, I think, you're going to get false information. And I believe that this, this young girl through the demon, was saying stuff that was not necessarily true, not perfectly true. And Paul, after some days, said, okay, this, you got to shut up now. And I command you, come out. And it's ironic that the demon sees it. But look at verse 19, but the owner saw the hope of gain was lost. The, the men never saw it. Now, if I see this girl being released by a demon, I would be like, wow. Now, 
how did you do that? Tell me how you did that. And I would want to know. But the only thing that these guys could see is their game was gone. The way of losing their money was gone. And people, sadly, when you mess with their money, especially evil people, and it's, it's being done through bad ways, they get upset right away. And here's what happened. Beginning of verse 22. They grabbed the people. They grabbed Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And they brought them out to the magistrates. And they said, these Jews, they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful to us. What was the custom? The custom was, hey, you have to believe in one God and his son, Jesus Christ. That is the truth. You guys as Romans, you believe in a multitude of God, a plethora of gods, Zeus and Hercules and everything else. No. They're all false. There's only one true God. And here the guys come, hey, this is what they're doing. This is what they're telling us. They're advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd then, verse 22, joins in attacking them. And the magistrates tore their garments off and gave them orders to beat them with rods. And they had inflicted many blows upon them. They threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safe. And having received their order, he put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet to the stocks. Woo! You're going to get beat for knowing Jesus. Anybody want to join the church now? Our next step class is ready, okay? Yeah? Right? That's not a great commercial. Come join us, and everybody will hate you. Come join us and you'll be ostracized. Come join us and everybody will think, and forgive me for saying it, you're a right-wing extremist. Because you want to follow Christ? Yes. You know who the most persecuted group in all the world is? It's Christians. We are the most persecuted group in all the world. Why? Because we bowed our knee to one person, and that's Jesus Christ. Amen? That's it. We don't bow to kings or anyone else. We follow one who saved us and redeemed us. And when we do that, church, it's going to get bad sometimes. We have brothers all over the world, Asia, Latin America, Africa. You know where the church is exploding now? Afghanistan. Iran, China, Korea. Why? Because the real church is growing, and the more you persecute us, the more we grow. Do a study in the book of Acts. This is what happened. They proclaimed the good news, okay? They got filled with the Holy Spirit. They proclaimed the good news, okay? People got saved, and then persecution came. And then they had to spread out and leave their town. They had to leave Jerusalem and go to all the towns. And it would cycle all again again. It would do the same thing again. They would get filled with the Holy Spirit. They would proclaim the good news. People got saved. And then you got beat up. Or even worse, you got killed. Look at this. Isaiah. Isaiah the prophet who spoke out against the wickedness of the Israelites was eventually killed by King Manasseh who killed them by sawing him in half, okay? Jeremiah was another prophet. That's the name of my, our second son, 
Jeremiah, right? We named them just for this. You got to go on and tell people the good news. He was killed eventually, okay? He was stoned to death by the people he was trying to warn. Zechariah, the prophet, was killed by King Jehoiakim uh, for speaking out, okay? John the Baptist, all right? Right? John the Baptist was a prophet who's beheaded by King Herod. For what? For speaking out against his marriage. He goes, hey. Was it his sister-in-law he was, he was sleeping with? Right? He's like, hey, you can't do that. Off with your head. Okay? And James, the brother of Christ. Okay? The leader of the early church was killed by King Agrippa for his faith in Christ. All the apostles except for John. And how many more? I mean, you go to the games, right? The old games, the gladiator games. They would put the Christians out and let the, let the, the lions and the dogs just attack them and kill them. Why? They're just following Christ. So I'm kind of here to warn you and encourage you. Look what Paul said. Five times I have received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. That's 39 lashes. That's what Christ received. Okay? Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked at night and day. I was adrift at sea and frequent journeys of danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship. Though many a sleepless night, I hunger and thirst often without food in cold and exposure. Anybody want to still sign up? All right? That's, that's a commercial right there. Hey, you're going to starve. You're not going to get fed. You're going to do this. You might be shipwrecked. We're going to beat you. We might even kill you. Still want to follow Christ? We got it easy here in America. Talk to our brothers and sisters overseas, and you'll see what's happening. Jesus said it like this. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me... They will persecute you. That's John 15. So when we proclaim the good news, it's not always Skittles commercials, right? Not sunshine and rainbows. Sometimes there's darkness. Sometimes there's pain. Sometimes there's death. But no matter what, we need to proclaim the good news of Christ. Finally, number three. Proclamation is sometimes accompanied by power. This is cool. Proclamation is sometimes accompanied by power. Verses 25 through 34. The Philippian jail is converted. Okay, beginning of verse 25. And after midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Look at that. They're in jail and they're praying and singing hymns. Right? To God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were open, and everyone's bounds, bonds were unfastened. I, I, for me, this is completely supernatural. Not only because it says it, but hey, 
Why is it that all their bonds were unfastened? Unless God intentionally says, don't worry. Something good is going to come. Watch. Unfastened. And then the jailer woke. Now, <laughs> when the jailer woke. Now, Holly knows this because she's around me the most. And Pastor Dell, I have what's called sometimes, and the scripture calls them imprecatory prayers. You know what an imprecatory prayer is? It's like, Lord, would you smite him with your right hand? <laughs> you know? They're in the Psalms, okay? So my favorite imprecatory is, Lord, would you bless him with a brick upside his head? You know? And look, I think the jailer got blessed because when he woke up, <laughs> he saw that the prisoners of the doors were open. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out in a loud voice, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, sirs, this is the, this is the verse. Verse 30, here it goes. Verse 30, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Not only you and your whole household. It reads in the Greek, not only you, but all your household as well if they want to. They can be, all right? And they spoke the word of the Lord to him. And all who were in his house, and he took them that same hour of the night, and he washed their wounds, and he was baptized, okay? He and his whole family. And then he brought them up into his house, and he set food before them, and they, re and they rejoiced along with the entire house, for they had believed in God. Amen? All right. Paul and Silas again praying and proclaiming the good news of Christ. And guess what? They're listening. It's a captive audience, okay? Everybody's chained to the wall, you know? This is the preacher's dream right here. Hey, you can't go anywhere. We got three hours. I got a sermon, you know? Let me tell you something. But God shows up. He goes, Paul, don't worry. I got this one. I got this one. You don't have to say anything. I'm going to set it up for you. It's a perfect intro, right? But I love it when the sheriff wakes up because he was knocked out. He was knocked out. Okay, forgive me. Where's Chip? Is Chip here? Where's Chip? No, he's not. Is he downstairs working? Okay. All right. I, I watch baseball a lot because my son plays baseball. Did you see the Guardians fight yesterday with the White Sox? Nobody saw it. There we go. One person, right? Anderson, right? Met with this guy. He got into a fight, and the Cleveland Guardian guy knocked him out. <laughs> it's hilarious. They're making a spoof out of it all day. They... He swung twice. The guy from the Cleveland hit him once, caught him right here. He was laid out. He goes, you're out. Knocked him out. You're out. God says, don't worry. Watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to bump him in the head a little bit. I'm going to bless him with a brick. Okay? And when he wakes up, you tell him. You tell him. Okay? Sheriff wakes up. He's knocked out. All right? Now, look at The Roman law was this. If the sheriff, the jailer, or a soldier would lose a prisoner, if he escapes, guess what happens to you? You die. If you lose a prisoner, 
You're paying with your own life for that prisoner's life, right? This is why, remember when Christ was entombed? They put all the soldiers there, right? And then Christ rises from the dead, and all the soldiers are like, oh, we're dead. We're dead. We're dead. We're dead, right? And they actually paid and went to the priest and said, hey, you, you got to come up with a story because my boss is going to kill all of us because we lost Jesus, all right? This sheriff knows this. He goes, hey, if I lose a prisoner, you're done. And he's seeing in the darkness, the building is gone. It's gone. There's nothing you can see. And right there, he takes out the sword. He's going to about to kill himself. Paul sees it. No, 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 don't, 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 don't. Stop, stop. We're here. We're all here. We didn't lose nobody. We're all here. This is why he comes up to him. He goes, man, you could have escaped. But yet you stayed and you saved me from their hands. What must I do to be saved? Now think about that. Why did he ask the question? Because he was hearing. He was listening. And then again, Paul comes before him. And he tells him the good news. What must I do to be saved? And he tells him one word. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you that's second person plural. That means you, all right, will be saved. You, now that's second, that's third person. That's all y'all, you know. All y'all can be saved and will be saved if you put your faith in Christ. The word believe is the word we use. It's the Greek word pestuo, okay? Don't ask me for anything else because that's all I remember from my two years of Greek class at Moody, okay? Seriously. I, I passed that with pain, with pain and suffering and mashing of teeth, you know? Pestuo, but I do know what this means. The word pestuo is a verb. Okay? And what's a verb, everybody? Action word. Okay? What must I do to be saved? You must believe. So it's not enough to have mental assent. It's not enough to say, oh, I know who Christ is. I, I know of him. Lydia knew of God, Yahweh, but until she meets Christ and then she believes by putting her faith in Christ, right? That's what's happening. So think about it like this. I wish I could, I had it here, but we'll use this. Now, hopefully this works. What is this? It's what? It's a, it's a stool, right? Simple question. Would this stool hold me up? Yeah. Why isn't this stool holding me up? I'm not sitting in it, right? In order to, now, to manifest faith, I have to do what? Trust. Sit in it. Look, it holds me up. <laughs> Praise God, okay, I'm going to get off right now before it breaks, okay? But Christ doesn't break. Christ is strong enough. All you have to do is put your faith in him. Come sit down and let him carry you. His burden is easy. His yoke is light. All you have to do is believe. You don't have to take a Sunday school class. You don't have to take a next steps class. You don't have to be, uh, become a member of this church. The only thing you have to do is put your faith in Christ. Amen? Amen. That's all you do. Now you know Greek, right? There you go. All right? Believe. All right? That's what he does. He goes, oh, what do I do? Believe. 
Paul also he spoke, he, he says, he, he spoke to me that work there is Kaleo. He's called out all y'all. This message is not just for the sheriff, but it's for your whole family. It's for anyone and everyone. Funny that the jailer doesn't keep it secret, right? The minute he hears the good news, he goes, wait a minute, wait, wait a minute. Let's go to my house. Why? Because you got to meet my wife. She really needs Jesus, okay? <laughs> no, he didn't say that, but he was thinking it, right? And he comes and he goes to the house and they preach there too. And what happens? They believe. How do we know they believe? Well, there's this little thing called baptism, right? And what is baptism? We, we talked about it last week, right? Right? We had a beautiful uh, presentation of it. Baptism is simply an outward confession of an inner faith. Hey, world, here's what I want you to know. I'm no longer with the world and with Satan. I'm going to follow Jesus and to prove it to you, to show you where my obedience is, I'm being baptized. That means I am telling you, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to do this anymore. I came to, when I came to faith back in 1992, all my friends, and you could ask, because Joy was there. Joy, the one we baptized last week? Pray for him. He's, not, he's, he's in a lot of pain this morning. He had his second um, thing with his nerve. And I remember, so we would go to the clubs. We were young. We were 22. We didn't know Christ. We were young. Forgive us. We were dumb. We didn't know Jesus. But every night, we were in a different nightclub in the city of Chicago. And I remember standing there with a beer in my hand. I don't like beer. I don't. But I, I, like, I'll drink one that might last a week, you know? I, I just don't have a thing of it, you know. But to be cool, to be accepted by everybody, I'll, I'll sip one, right? So I'm standing there with a beer, and I, I, I just, I go, I don't belong here anymore. I don't belong in this world anymore. And I looked at my friends. Joy was one of them, and Raymond, and, and we used to call him Woody. His name is Ray Devalier, and a bunch of other guys. And I said, hey, guys, I love you. You're my boys. We could hang out. But I'm going to go to church on Sundays. Not, don't invite me to the clubs anymore. I'll meet you for the Bears game after I come back. And you know what? All of my friends said, cool, Santiago. We love you. You go walk with Jesus. You know, we've been friends 40 years, right? We've been friends 40 years. And I'm the one that they call and go to when their world goes, eh. And I love them. And guess what? Now a lot of them know Christ, and they're walking with Christ. You know why? Because, not because I'm good. I was like, I'm not in this world. And then I got baptized too, and I said, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus, you know? I love you. You're my boy still. We can hang out, but I'm going to drink a Coca-Cola, and you can drink that beer, you know? And it's not about that. The only thing I had to do was put my faith in Christ. So can you. You put your faith in Christ and watch him do it. But I love it. Verse 34, and we're going to finish. And rejoice along with the entire household. Why? Because they believed in God. They took a seat on the stool and said, Christ is holding us up now. We're with him. And they went from tradition to testimony. They went from religion to relationship. And that's what God is calling us to do. 
Let me finish it like this. And again, the proclamation is done by regular people. You don't have to have a theology degree. You don't have to know. You don't have to be incredibly smart. You just have to know Christ, and you have to know how to be willing to share the good news. And you, you need to be willing to take a lump or a shot just to say the good news. You have to. The proclamation comes from the power of the Holy Spirit. We need him to set some people free. But God is not going to only set some people free if we're willing to say, just like said in the Old Testament, here I am, God. Send me. Send me. This is why in our fourth valley we go. We go to the lost. So here, do me a favor. Put, bow your heads with me. We're going to pray. And here's my challenge to you, okay? Number one, some of you possibly might be religious. You came from a tradition different than this, or maybe you've been here all your life, and you only come because, hey, this is where my parents went. You're, you know of God, but you haven't really met him. You haven't asked him for forgiveness. You haven't believed in him. If you need to, I'm not going to ask you to come forward, but what I'm going to ask you right now before God, as your head is bowed, and he sees you and he knows you, if you say, Pastor, I, I've been religious my whole life, but I've never believed in God. I don't know. I need to trust him. Would you just raise your hand right now and say, God, here I am. Here's me. Forgive me for my sins. Awesome. 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 See, there's hands going up. Thank you. Thank you. Number two. This is for everybody in the church, too. Here's the question I'm going to ask. Who would be willing to go? Who would be willing to share the good news of Christ with somebody that you know is lost and needs Jesus? That's you. Here's what I want you to just raise your hand. Okay, good. Okay? Now here's what I want you to do. I'm a double dog dare you. Ready? Just stand up where you're at. Stand up right where you're at. There you go. Thank you. You're willing to go to the lost and share the good news of Christ. Say, here I am, God. Send me. Thank you. Heavenly Father, here is your church. All of us, Lord, forgiven and ready to go and getting ready to go, Lord. Because, God, you use people to proclaim your good news. You use people to set the captive free from demonic strongholds and everything else, God. And you use people, God, in incredible ways and you show up Lord with amazing power sometimes because you need to do you need to knock some people out God Tim Anderson got knocked out we need some people to get knocked out Jesus for you because the proclamation isn't good enough God they need a manifestation of your power 
so they can know, God, that they are standing before a holy God that loves them and is willing to sacrifice, has sacrificed them and is willing to forgive them of all their sins if they would just ask and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. So for that, Lord, we thank you. We praise you, God, because you are good and you are good all the time. And everyone said, let's worship.